Hello, Liturgy Guy listeners. This is your host, Jesse Weiler, and we have another great episode for you. Uh, But first, I want to apologize. We had some technical issues with last week's episode. First of all, it got up a little bit late, and then the wrong file was uploaded, and it had some really wonky edits. So I apologize if you got a really weird episode with um, crazy stuff happening in it. But the correct episode is now online, and you can uh, delete the old one and re-download the new one so you can hear it without all of that uh, wonky stuff happening. Also, uh, we have a final winner for the Limerick Contest. Actually, there's two winners, Justin and Katie. I will not say your last name so that you can stay anonymous, but also I, I just don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm going to spare, uh, spare you a butchering of your last name. Uh, Justin and Katie came up with two limericks together, and they're amazing and made us laugh a lot. So uh, without further ado, here they are. There once was a liturgy guy with lectures dynamic, not dry. He worked with a peer who rather than beer preferred to have crust from a pie. There once was a man named Jesse, spelled with no I, just an E. He liked to have fun, that son of a gun, when talking about liturgy. So, uh, Justin and Katie, thank you so much for that limerick. It really made us laugh. And your reward, you will both get a Liturgical Institute t-shirt, and I will contact you about how we can get those to you. Also, I want to remind all of our priest and deacon listeners that we have that profound preaching conference coming up on November 10th. You can register at www.liturgicalinstitute.org. Also, one last piece of business. I wanted to mention that uh, there is this really cool award out um, that they're taking nominees for. It's called the Fisher's Net Award. It's run by www.bestcatholicwebsites.com. Basically, they're judging Catholic website uh, nominations, uh, Catholic blogs, Catholic logos and branding. Podcast is one of them. So if you want to nominate our podcast for this Fisher's Net Award, you can go to www.bestcatholicwebsites.com. And finally, this week we are talking about liturgical asceticism. Uh, I, I really had a hard time understanding you know, the origin of this topic and what Dennis and Chris were talking about. But once we really got going, I started to really enjoy what we were talking about. And a lot of this comes from uh, David Fagerberg, who used to uh, teach at the Liturgical Institute, and he was even the interim director for a very short period. So without further ado, episode 11 of season two of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present The Liturgy Guys. Could you talk good so we can start to record? Me talk good. We've been recording. Are we, we recording? We've been had been recording. I think we talk good, Jesse. <laughs> I I don't think we do. I don't think we're going to talk don't make about fun of me. Liturgical asceticism. I'm, I'm from Lacrosse <laughs> or thereabouts. I grove around soldiers. Yep, that's pretty much how. Chris like. lives on a farm, so we make fun of him. But it's in the woods, and there's a lot of... Yeah. Anyway. And it's not a bad location, either. But there is a certain amount of asceticism that comes with the life of the farm, isn't it? You have to live with all these family members, and you don't get your own way, but eventually you become formed to the good well, I get my life. own way. Yeah, you do, because you're like that. But we're here to talk about liturgical <laughs> asceticism, Jesse. 
Yeah, I um, you, we talked about this a little bit during our coffee talk episode, and that was aesthetics. Wait, was it really? Yes, not aesthetics. <laughs> Son of a. I know it sounds like the uh, sounds like the same, but aesthetics comes from the so Greek what, verb asthenai, so which means to perceive. So as- okay. aesthetics is about perception of things. Okay, aesthetics, not aesthetics, but aesthetics comes from eskesis or eskine, eskine, which is oh, the Greek word for so we get now? for work or exercise. So we get exercise from ek. Aesthetic. Well, I don't get exercise, but let's keep going. Yeah, right. But our good friend, <laughs> you don't and get mentor, art either. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Obviously, aesthetics. You, well, you hit where it hurts. Yes. Um, our good friend David Fagerberg, Doctor David Fagerberg from Notre mm-hmm. Dame, used to teach at the Liturgical Institute. Wrote a book on, called "On Liturgical Asceticism," mm-hmm. which is something that he says is the missing third leg on the stool of understanding of liturgical theology. That we kind of know that there's. Liturgy is theology, and we're supposed to do something, and but most of us just kind of want it to be the way we want it. Well, what are the first two legs? Yeah, they're the other two legs of the stool that uh, keep. Oh, we got there. him! We got him! He was not prepared for that question. Nailed it! Good job, Chris. One of them is probably. Why active. do you ask me questions? I don't. One of them is probably answer. active participation. The other one's probably trial solitude. Yeah, but that's not where that's not where I wanted to start. Okay, let's start, 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 start with the one like I want to start with a really complicated sentence. Oh, man. Remember we started with Lambert Bodine about the super substantial priestly sacerdotal power of Christ? I do now. And we had to go through every word. Okay, here it is. Ready? Three, two, one. Liturgy is the Trinity's perichoresis, canonically extended to invite our synergistic ascent into deification. I wish I could have wow. thought of that. Wait, okay. did All David right. write that? David Fagerberg wrote that on oh. page nine. All right, oh. say that again. All right. He's real smart. Liturgy is the Trinity's perichoresis, canonically extended to invite our synergistic ascent into deification. Well, let's start with deification. I've always thought that about the liturgy, actually. <laughs> actually, something about you know, he gives this this sentence in italics, and then he says, in other words, immediately after. Every, oh, thank goodness. Every scholar should do this. He says, in other words, the Trinity's circulation of love, that's this movement of love, um, between themselves and then out to us to bring this back to him. Their inner love for each other turns itself outward and it comes down to us and wants to bring us back into it. So that's this perichoresis, their, their own movement of love. It's, it means to dan- literally means to dance around. So sometimes <sighs> the love of the Trinity is compared to a dance. They're not just sitting there, oh, I love you, oh, I'm... In other words, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son love each other so much. There's this movement of love, what he calls a mutual indwelling. They love each other so much that they become one in, the, in that sense that only God could be. And then it turns itself outward toward us. They are, they're happy with each other, but they say, guess what? We want to love and uh, let others love us. And so creation happens. And then the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit work together to rescue creation and to, to bring us back into that love of the trinity so that's the uh, canonically extended canonic means to, to pour out so this love mm-hmm. of the holy spirit pours out to us it's extended to invite our synergistic ascent the synergistic means like synergy but it means to like to work together ergon is energy in there and then sins together so to work together so we work together with the holy spirit to become redeemed and ascend into deification so to be raised up to be like god Mm-hmm. So deification. Now that sounds like a liturgy I want to go to. Well, yeah. right. And you know what? That the, the key thing about ascesis there is that we have to participate in this. Yeah, that's the question. Moving. He didn't mention ascesis. 
uh, in the definition, did he? I mean, well, so, but yeah, well, not so, yet. What, not yet. Okay. He's just defining liturgy. So when we talk about liturgy, we think, oh, I've got to go to church or else, and it's a mortal sin. If I don't, blah, 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 it makes me feel good. This big, broader definition is that when God extends his love out to us, captures us, and only if we freely and willingly accept, we are brought into life of God, not as a bystander, but as a family member, as one of the persons of the membership of the Trinity, in a sense, by being a member of the body of Christ. That is a huge invitation. The stumbling block, however, most of the time is we're lazy, we're ignorant, we're tired, we want it to be our way instead of God's way. And so if you just, you know. It's that weak will problem. It's the weak will problem. And the Mm -hmm. key thing about God loving us and our freedom is that we have to say yes. And we have to be enabled to do this. We have to be made capable of doing this. Thus, asceticism, asceticism, right? So you say, I want to be a guitar player, piano player, football player. I want uh, to be a bodybuilder. You kind of have some capacity to start, but you can't lift the 500 pound dumbbells the first day you have mm-hmm. to be capacitated and how do you do that you give up the donuts you give up the ice cream you give I up- literally just had donuts <laughs> like an hour ago <laughs> you give up the free time you work your sweat your energy you're tired you're sore you're eating right you're not you know that that is a disciplining of yourself the work of doing that so that you can be, become capacitated to rise to the level of excellence and that's the key thing right there is that we because we're fallen generally don't do these things right we don't have the capacity to do it and so liturgy is part of the way that you learn how to become capacitated to become like god yeah so when you're mass you do you're sitting you're standing you're kneeling you're up and down so aerobics yeah yeah right and think of you know some person who just comes to mass says well i don't like it this way i like it that way i'm not going to stand i'm not going to answer i'm not going to when the 50s the nuns are mean and it reminds me that i'm not going to do that that's that's a shout out to kevin there (laughs) that's the that's the opposite of asceticism right if you went to your coach and said i'm not going to run those laps i'm not going to run through the tires i'm not going to learn the plays for the football team then chances are you're not going to become a very good football player so the problem is we're lazy we don't want to do it and we have to at some level uh, give up our own personal desires and intentions not so much because we hate ourselves and we're no good because we are very good but because we're fallen and so on page uh, 18 of this this is this book that david fagerberg wrote called on um, liturgical asceticism he said he summarizes this uh, very well this kind of problem that we have as human beings and he says that you know because we're, we're spirit and matter and intellect and all of that we have an intellective faculty that means we can we can think right we have capacity to understand was that a big yawn there jesse are, yeah. are you bored already <laughs> no I think those donuts, donuts are kicking in i think your intellective faculty is giving uh, way to your irascible faculty and that's we can, we have the, well, that's the next thing, right? So we, so we can know things, right? Should have had my Wheaties this morning. We can know things, but we can also be stirred up. If someone comes and gives a rousing speech or mobs get mm-hmm. stirred up, that's called their irascible faculty. And third, we have appetites that generate desire. That's called the concupiscible faculty. So we can know, we can be stirred up with fervor, and then we have desires, those are bodily uh, appetites. That's our concupiscible faculty. I thought concupiscence was the tendency to sin. Well, that's the desires that often lead us into sin, but that having those desires by itself is not necessarily okay uh, fault but, but there what, are good desires yeah and that's what you're talking about right so okay, got it. you have desires you have knowledge 
you can be stirred up with ardor and fervor, and then you have desires. Now, that nothing wrong with that in the Garden of Eden, right? Because everything's in right order. <laughs> but um, what he points out here is that the intellect has to rule the irascible. So you, your desires and your fervor have to be ruled by your mind. Because I have many desires to hurt you sometimes, and just <laughs> smack you and say, shut the blankety blank. He's not up. joking. Yeah. Those are true <laughs> desires. <laughs> this is true. Uh, and if this relationship gets out of whack, and our mind is d darkened and we can't control our desires this is what mob this mob rule looks like in a lot of the news these days you know people don't want to talk they just want to scream and break things and show mm -hmm. up with guns and you know hurt each other he says that's if they're not in right order then we talk about passions so the um the fallen passions the, when the exterior relationship with god is broken and the interior relationship with these three things is broken then they become passions and so we have these passions that lead us away from doing what we ought to do, which is right worship. We want selfishness versus being conformed to something outside of us. And the question is, how do we get over that? Yeah, that's what I would ask. So do you need to get these things in right order before you can go to the liturgy to celebrate it well? Or? I hope not, because then I, <laughs> I am in You have to go to Mass Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Or um, is it the liturgy that is the kind of the your own personal Ooh, trainer? Is it that both? Well, it's a kind of a chicken and egg situation, right? You have to get yourself off the couch to get to church, right? So there's a certain sense of will there. And hopefully that's, in fact, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we're not left alone with these things. It's not all human will and sort of self-saving Pelagianism. But the, the point is that if we talked about this in liturgy and play uh, last uh, season, that if you go to the liturgy, what you are seeing and what is being demanded of you is not stay as you are because you're okay. It's saying you have to sit still, listen, contemplate, sing the praise of God, shake the hand of your neighbor, um, hear the word of God so that you can be conformed to it, receive the heavenly food so that you're strengthened to do all of this and be brought to a right relationship with God. And that that is a necessary precondition for this process of deification. I just think maybe you have this experience too, Jesse, with your kids, right? So you take your kids to mass. Yep. And, you know, they sit when they should be kneeling and they lay on the floor when they should be standing. Of and it's course. just this constant, um, you know, they pick their nose while they should be giving the sign of peace. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Jesse does that too. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> gross. Don't stand next to him. <laughs> but I mean, it's a, you know, a parent asks himself after a while, I mean, is this even making any difference? You know, how many times do you say, you need to stand up now? You need to stand up now. All face the time. forward, face forward, face the forward. But, I suppose even at, at the most fundamental and rudimentary level, I mean, you've got to do that. Yeah, right. that's what uh, parents do to their kids is, is to help to train them. But I have to this. do that to myself too. Well, that's you true know, too. Accountability of self. Yeah, yeah. How maybe you tell your kid, face forward and pay attention. Meanwhile, you're not paying attention <laughs> at all, and you're not facing forward. You're facing your kid is screwing around. Right, but parenting is fundamentally a guided eschesis for your kids mm -hmm. right? it's a guided mm -hmm. ascetical discipline you, we come out of the womb and we don't care about anybody but ourselves you know the, the typical newborn is sleeps a lot poops a lot eats a lot cries right that's all especially they, they have, if that newborn is isaac <laughs> right they, know, they have no interest in anybody that baptism else. didn't improve things any no <laughs> <laughs> except for a hand that feeds them and you know some mm -hmm. consolation and then slowly you say hey, think about somebody else and you teach them to be aware of their surroundings and what it means and go to school and receive your sacraments and eat your vegetables and sit still and don't hit your sister. Receive your sacraments and eat your vegetables. Right. That is fundamentally an ascetic discipline, right? It's right. don't do 
don't stay in your fallen condition, but I want you to be elevated to something higher and better than what you are. So, you know, an infant has to learn to be kind of fundamentally human, right? At the basic level, basic communication, basic proper manners and so on. But liturgical ascesis is leading people into their supernature to bring it to that uh, future. So um, Dr. Fagerberg talks about purification of heart, right? All your desires for, I don't like that music. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit still. I don't even want to go. I want to go to Starbucks and read the newspaper on Sunday. No, no, start there. And then he uses this phrase, synergy with eternal life. So work together with eternal life so that you become used to that and it becomes your normal way of doing things. This all sounds so difficult to do. <laughs> well, in a way it is. But a redirection of the appetites, right? We, we want mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff that's not good for us. But mass and, and liturgical life of prayer in general, sit still and be quiet. I mean, that gets harder and harder for us these days where... You know, I get up in the morning and I put some video on YouTube and I'm doing something on my phone and I'm drinking coffee and it's like, I'm doing like five things at once. I don't even like to sit still. I'm not good at sitting Mm -hmm. still. Me either. Um, But it is, you know, the synergy and liturgy have that same root of of work, that ergon or ergia, whatever it is. I mean, yeah, it it does take work. It's not passive. It's not, as you say, entirely our own will, some sort of Pelagianism, but yeah, it, it, it won't happen against our will, certainly. And that's the key thing is that God can present himself in a thousand ways to us and say, you know, please be like this. But if we say no, whether intentionally by saying I refuse you or sort of de facto by not doing what the work is to do it. I mean, if, if uh, you know, Levy Smith, some, some great coach comes to, to I want you to I pick a different coach. <laughs> Definitely pick a different coach right. than Levy Smith. Well, Ditka. All right. Yeah. Some great coach comes. I want you to be my quarterback. I think you've got it in you, but it's going to take a lot of work. Oh, oh, I don't really want to be that, you know. So Jay Cutler. you you miss out on being great and you know not everybody can be a a quarterback in that that level but everybody can be a saint according to their own nature and the the normal way you do that is at the human level you have to know what you ought to do so that let your intellectual faculties be properly formed and then they have to govern your govern your desires and all the passions that's the irascible and the concupiscible right so you have desires and the fervor Imagine if you have this fervor all the time that someone, you know, it's like watching, you know, Fox News or MSNBC, you know, Rachel Maddow says one thing, you go, but go, and start rambling. Like there's a desire there, but it's not under your control of your intellect necessarily. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't get viewers, so. Well, right. And we have, a, cu- we have a culture that pretty much likes to poke us all in our irascible and concupiscence. <laughs> then I do not like to be poked there. <laughs> because, and not to think too much, right? Right. Or to think at a basic level and, and not at the higher level of our humanity. What the liturgy does is it brings us, it totally transcends all of that. And it says you have to become aware of supernatural life. You have to become aware of your own faults. All your appetites that you have, you have to be redirected and, and purified and this reorientation of the spirit. This is a transformation that we're talking about through the liturgy, through the action of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not just duty language. Oh, I better go or else. Right. It's a much broader notion that God wants us to be happy with him. Not to, not to say that the creation is bad, the body is bad, or renounce the body. No, no, no. It's to let the, all those capacities of mind, heart, body, and soul be brought to their pitch of glorification. It's that, but it's that, um, it's that duty and obligation that sometimes gets us there so that we can, you know, we could have that revealed to us sometimes. So, right. I, That's the beginning for right. anybody. Any beginning student of anything has to get up and do something for a while and you're mm-hmm. not good at it and it doesn't feel right and it seems awkward and it feels like an imposition on your freedom and all of that but you can't play Chopin flawlessly until you can play a scale 
and you can't create a podcast flawlessly until you do at least one bad season and then start a season two. <laughs> or maybe one, two, maybe two seasons. Bad, yeah, no, probably two. One bad episode, anyway. <laughs> um, and so an ascetic, he, you know, he makes this argument, David Fagerberg makes the argument that an ascetic is not a monk out in the desert, not eating and wearing hair shirts and stuff, although that's a kind of asceticism. Every Christian should be an ascetic, just like every human being has to be an ascetic. Be nice be part of a family work for a living take care of people love people put other people's needs ahead of your own that's an ascetic discipline of life except that liturgically we take it to the supernatural plane in fact i think he has a follow-up book after this on liturgical asceticism called um consecrating the world on mundane liturgical theology yeah and the whole thrust of this Man, this guy sounds smart you should have him on, on instead of me well, or any of us <laughs> um but that that's the, the very point dennis is that this isn't about becoming like simeon the stylite or some such you know <laughs> it, it's it's living out in the world with real people and in families and jobs and uh, in politics and entertainment and all of the rest it's uh, it's out in the world with the where we consecrate it and live out our liturgical existence. Right, and you know, his great teacher was, your, not your hero, Aidan Nichols, but Aidan Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. And he quotes him as saying that the ascetic is simply a stunningly normal person who stands in constant witness to the normality of Christian orthodoxy in a world flawed into or abnormality by human choice. It hmm. sounds oxymoronic, like where you're... <laughs> You're doing all these things and being cognizant, but at the same time, you're not doing anything special. You're, Do you know what I mean? Right. The world is fallen and out of whack. Yeah. Our job is to get back into... Is to be normal. Whack. So normal is not well, fallen. Is. Normal is not yeah. fallen. That's deficient. Get back, it's get back into whack. <laughs> right. And so an ascetic is one who does what it takes to enter into that process of becoming like God in the Christian orthodoxy, right belief and right action. And that's what a normal person is. Everybody else is the deficient person. So think of an addict, you know, someone who's addicted to anything is out of whack, right? They're not free to do something else. If you're addicted to heroin, say, and all you want is the next fix, you can't love your family, you start stealing things to get your fix, you're not free to delight in the world, you're not free to become excellent. And so that's the basic, you know, footfall in human condition. We're not as free as we ought to be. The way you become free, put all those things in right order, calm the passions, and then the liturgy, uh, is the way that that's exercised in motion and action and you become a theologian, one who knows the word of God and becomes the word of God and that that's how that happens. It's a, it's an, it's a discipline that you have to bring to yourself. So he says the Christian identity is shaped by living the liturgical rites. Can you think of some things in the rites that would make you more like Christ? Oh, yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the things. We talk about offering yourself on the on the altar. Right, but you can't make yourself into Christ, but you can give yourself to Christ to Correct. make you into Christ. Mm. Yeah. Anytime anytime we're singing, we're participating in that Trinitarian dialogue. Right. Singing the about? Gloria, for instance, is right. singing to the, the praise of God. God. Listening yeah. to the word of God. And part of the problem is we're out of right relationship with God. How do you establish that right relationship? You sing the Gloria. Imagine if you liked nothing better than to sing the praise of God all day because that's what delighted you more than anything else, hmm. then you would be brought to your your deified perfection to be more like God who praises himself perfectly. But that person would be really annoying to be friends with. Well, that is a problem. The, the ascetic, <laughs> if you really take your ascetic holiness somewhere, you, the world really starts to bug you. You know, <laughs> a, you, you, know you I probably mentioned this before too, uh, but um, you know when you're around that really exceptionally holy person, mm -hmm. it is, it's 
uncomfortable after a while, yeah. you know. I'm sorry, Chris. I'll try to be more, more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, present company excluded here. <laughs> for me, it's the but, um, it's the sisters of the mission of Our Lady of Angels. It doesn't make me yeah. uncomfortable. Just all the all the women in that order, they just they're so joyful all the time that it just seems impossible to have that much energy. But, but even after a while, don't you think you know? I got to go now. I mean, this is really <laughs> awesome, but oh, I'm out of my element mm-hmm. uh, because those people are so um, in love with God right. that uh, I think when well, we sure see ourselves in comparison, with it uh, I'm sure a little bit. All the, all the people's interaction with saints while they were here uh, were very similar. Were, Man, how is that even possible? Like, right. So then, what, what would you do if you wanted to become good at something? So you'd say, maybe I'll go to some classes. I'll read some books. I'll go practice this. I'll, I'll watch videos on YouTube about it. I'll do whatever. I'll talk to people, go to chat rooms, go to conferences. That's all work, in a sense, to become something that you're not. So think about the liturgy that way on the supernatural plane. You're living the liturgical right. Praise of God, receive from God, give to God, kind to your neighbor. And then all the mysteries of Christ come through the liturgical year and the seasons. Not so much, oh, oh, Jesus, you know, the saint, that saint, Advent. It's so that you can have all these things brought to your memory. What are you going to say there, well, Chris? Well, that, that uh, funky definition of liturgy at the beginning, that canonic perichoresis and whatnot, it, it, what is it? It, it reaches down and… Canonically extended to us. Yeah, that, that's what you're describing here with the, the liturgical year and the rites is this uh, uh, the divine perichoresis, the life and love of the Trinity, kind of reaching down so that you can join it. You can cut in in a certain sense into this uh, dance. <laughs> can I have this dance? <laughs> Imagine, you know, on a real practical level, some stockbroker says, I have figured out how to time the market. And you know what? I've made enough money. I'm going to tell you how to do it too. Come back to my office bring a little bit of investment and you will learn my secret too so you can be like me. I mean, that's a real shallow version of it, but there's some reality that is kind of self-contained and the guy's happy being a good stockbroker. He leaves his office and tries to help the regular person do it. Take that to the highest level. The Trinity is happy. Creation was good. There's this fallen condition that needs to be undone and God's saying, guess what? We Christ left the, the throne of God in heaven to become one of you so that you could be brought back to this throne of God, and here's the way you do it. We didn't just leave you alone and say, you messed up at the fall, so mm-hmm. too bad. Here's this method. Liturgy, the rite itself, prayers, poems, the rhythm of the church year, going to mass every week or every day, um, art, intellectual grasp of the content, books, poems, hymns, uh, feasts, fasting. I mean, Christmas. We get presents so we can become more like God. Isn't that yeah. it's crazy? Easter eggs and chocolate and jelly beans i don't know dennis this all sounds like a lot of work (laughs) well it is it is even absolution even things like confession that's part of the ascetical discipline now people hear the word ascetic and they think oh no that means i have to deny the body life is no fun i'm going to sit in a a cell room and sleep on a hard bed and you know whip myself all day no 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 no. that's not what we're talking about that's an extreme form of ascetic discipline and it's only for certain people but Basically, we're saying we have ways to overcome the fall. The liturgy is primarily the way that happens. And then it can happen out in your you know, domestic church, which I know you're, um, you're fond of talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Big fan of the domestic church. You could say, hey, Kim, I'm, I don't want to work. There's too much work. You go get a job so I can sit around here and drink beer. No way. He's probably tried that already. I'll tell you what. 
my job is way easier than her job. So yeah. I, I'm well, already doing how that. How much more aesthetic discipline is there than <laughs> parenting? Is I find it amazing that people still have kids because it means get up in the middle of the night, change diapers. Every penny you make goes to their braces and their diapers and all that stuff. Yeah, you better brace yourself. Parenthood is an aesthetic discipline. Um, so this is... What he's saying is it's a necessary part of the Christian life, and therefore, it's a necessary part of the liturgical life. You have to conform yourself to what the liturgical expectations, and the one who prepares liturgy, therefore, has to make liturgy in a way that brings people to this greater participation in those those realities. So, it's a two-way street. If you're the liturgy director, if you're a bad coach, you say, oh, you know, let's just let the, the team do whatever they want, eat whatever they want. Oh, you know, they like sitting around instead of doing drills. I'll, I'll just be the nice guy, right? And everybody will like me. That's not good coaching. It's not good parenting. It's kind of how Lovey Smith coached, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, his name like Lovey, what do you expect? Um, and so the same thing with the liturgy. People might say, oh, I don't like chant because I don't know how to do it and it, I, I don't get anything out of it. It doesn't make me feel good. Well, okay, good. We'll meet you where you are. I don't like running laps because it hurts with my lungs. I can't breathe as well as I'd like. Well, okay, start small, work your way through. Um, so there's a little section of bullets here on page 10 and 11 in Dr. Fagerberg's book, um, and it's kind of a nice summary of the whole thing, but he says, liturgical asceticism is the cost of being made more Christiform in order to commit liturgy. And it's funny, mm-hmm. that he, he likes to use words like that. It's like mm-hmm. we think of commit as like a sin, but uh, we want to be made Christiform. We have to become shaped like Christ and less so like us alone. And uh, asceticism is the process by which you give up yourself to get Christified, Christified, Christiform. I already am Christopher. <laughs> yeah, you're the I Christ bearer, though. But I you're knew not you were going to say that. I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> and so this is, he says it's the, it's the um, participation by the body of Christ in the perichoresis of the Trinity. So the Trinity's love, moving around, this dancing around, that the, it's kind of funny to think of the Trinity dancing around in heaven, um, but they're happily with each other. And how do we get to be that way too? Is through the liturgy, so we become uh, deified. And so basically the, the idea is we take us fallen and messed up with our problems and hopefully become one not fallen and not messed up, happy with God forever. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, and I what I think we should do now is we should uh, do some perichoresis of uh, liturgy questions to synergize our liturgy Christiformation. You're saying we're going to dance around the question? Poke, I don't know. Poke him in the irascible part there. <laughs> I told you, don't poke me there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's answer a liturgy question. Chris, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I'll, I just it. really want to make okay. sure you're okay, okay with there it. There is a certain aesthetic discipline to answering questions. We have to look up the answers. <laughs> and an aesthetic discipline for working with me. So, so why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium. But it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? 
Guess who we have here today? Who is it, Dennis? Who is it, Jesse? Chris. Chris's niece is here today, and she has a question for Barbara Olivia. Elizabeth O'Brien, senior at uh, Thomas Aquinas College. Daughter in, of the Wisconsin Earth Goddess, mentioned in Matt Lacona's book, Swimming the Scapulars. Okay. How's that for an introduction? TMI. Okay. All right. So you uh, said uh, that you have a liturgy question for us. What is it? From a true millennial. What is the difference, or what makes the difference, between a, making a Mass illicit and valid? Or valid. Thanks, Barbara. Licit and valid. We've we've talked about licit but cool before. Mm-hmm. Or not licit. Oh cool. yeah, didn't and we? valid but bad. Okay. What was the difference? <laughs> well, you guys are the. Go ahead, Chris. Well, okay. licity is is probably related to the word legis legit, right? Yeah. Licit means according to the law. To the law, right? Yeah. And so the the any sacramental any any rite is filled with um, a whole series of. Laws and they're usually printed uh, in the the rubrics or in the uh, uh, it doesn't have to be in the rubrics. There's other introductory documents, code of canon law, and other things like that. And if those are broken, uh, they're no longer licit, but they become illicit. Okay, so not done according to law. So, uh, what would be a good example? Can you think of an example? If Dennis? you use Eucharist that has no gluten in it, no, nope, that would be, that'd be invalid. invalid. Oh, you might use the right matter and form. You might say the words of institution, but you might goof around with the rubrics or oh. do something that you might change a few words here and chal- there. You know, like a gla- I don't know, glass chalice or something that's not uh, according to, right. uh, uh, yeah, exactly. You're not using all of the words. Leaving uh, things out because you're not you wearing don't a feel chasuble. Like it. Yeah. Something like that. It doesn't affect the actual consecration of the Eucharist in terms of whether it's consecrated or not but it's just surrounded by violations of the law so it can be valid but uh, but also illicit and probably yes many liturgies are valid but illicit either intentionally or unintentionally just people don't yeah. know the rules or they yeah. choose anytime not to use people them. show up things start to mm-hmm. potentially go bad that's a question you get yeah. a lot like father z i think gets those sometimes of the priest did this does that mean it's not valid if this happened in confession does that mean it's not valid because often they confuse illicit activity with Invalid. Okay, so what, what's validity then? Well, that's uh, what the making real of the liturgy of the sacramental reality, and you need matter and form and, and intention. You and need intention, uh, right. uh, intention, yeah. So you need to have the uh, uh, valid material. So, for example, the the gluten, the gluten question. Right. Yeah, it yeah. Makes so, it up. yeah, that, that's a confusing one. So, uh, bread from which all gluten is removed is no really bread. not. It's not bread anymore. So invalid. it becomes invalid material. Uh, or you could have valid material, but say the wrong words. So um, there was a famous one recent, uh, maybe 10 years ago. I baptize you in the name of the creator and the redeemer and the sanctifier. So you could have the water, you could have the willing recipient, you could have the minister with the right intention, but the formula is wrong. So it invalidates the baptism. the baptism. And another thing that's necessary for validity is the intention, this is a real tricky one, is the active intention of the minister so the minister doesn't become um, you know, a robot or something like that. As soon as the rite starts, he has to join his will in an active way to that of the church and, and has to do what the church does when she celebrates a sacrament. So, And it's sometimes, too, it's the, the, really the willingness, too, of the recipient. Um, you know, it would have to be, you know, if, if I'm not willing to get married, if I, have a, if I actively object to marrying this person, then it's, it's an invalid marriage. It's a right. null marriage. Or if your mom tells you, go to confession or else, and you're not really sorry, but yeah. you go through the, the form, the matter and form. We've all done that. Mm-hmm. 
then the, that is not valid, right? Ah, uh, that would that would be. Uh, I mean, if you actually go in there and you do it, I mean, you might not want to do it, but uh, it's not like you're running. Priest, you're not running away from the. Yeah, if the you priest do have says to have the words, true, but doesn't have the intention to forgive your sins. That that's not valid. Not valid. Okay. Not valid. All right. So illicit is a valid thing, but that's not done entirely according to the to the liturgical law. An invalid thing is something where the sacrament doesn't happen. The invisible reality just it does not take place. All right. Barbara, does that answer your question? I think so. I think she so. Think so. That's, about, Man, that's about. That's about all we'll get. Yeah, really, yeah. that's about all <laughs> we're good for. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right if thank you, you, Barbara. If you want to ask us a liturgy question, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com. Thank you and God bless. The Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition. Now that's a podcast.